Three, two, one, we're ready to go. All right, Mike, you there? Yes, sir. All right. So I wanted to, uh, the the obvious elephant in the room, the uh, the thing that they just announced today on the news, uh, Andy Bashir's announcement about the mask mandate. Right, right. So did you watch his news conference? I did not watch his news, so I'm trying to stay away from the TV and anything except for old sports shows. <laughs> That's probably um, a good idea. But I know he did it because I was reading something on it, and uh, I have no problem with the mandatory mask thing. I have none, none at all. Uh, my thing is, we got to stop being so selfish, right? You know, I keep hearing people. I keep hearing people say, "Well, you know, my O2 saturation level. What do you know about your O2 saturation level? You don't know." You know, oh, well, it's carbon monoxide. You smoke cigarettes. Shut up. Don't tell me about <laughs> carbon monoxide. You know, you smoke a cigarette. You get COPD, but you're worried about your carbon saturation because you're wearing a mask. I said, this, this is just, it doesn't make sense. It's just an excuse. Right. You know, uh, I posted a picture today from the 1913 and 18 Spanish flu, and even the cat had a mask on. <laughs> you know, it was an old black and white. I put it on Facebook today. Uh, I have no problem. Because all you're doing is trying to keep yourself safe and other people. Right. Well, and I mean, I, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just gonna say, and and they did, and the whole thing about the the oxygenation levels and stuff. I mean, you there's people that have shown videos of them literally wearing those oxometer things or whatever they're called, mm-hmm. like looking at their oxygen levels while they have the mask mm-hmm. on, and it has absolutely zero effect on the oxygen level. Oh. understand like with the extreme heat in the summertime and the humidity like it can be hard to breathe just even normally like without a mask on so I I imagine a mask could sometimes might make you feel like you're having a harder time breathing or whatever just just because of like the weather and stuff but I mean there's no it's proven there's no effect on oxygen level at all right and my thing is how long are you going to have the mask on an hour you know, where are you going that you have wearing a mask longer than an hour? Right. Maybe to a concert or something. Well, uh, we, the people at the people at work, like, like people, like now for a lot of people that are working and stuff, most of the companies are telling everybody mm-hmm. that they have to wear, they have to wear masks. Right. So they could be wearing it for like well, an eight-hour shift or whatever, but I mean, right. That'd but be like masks. Yeah, but even still, I, you know, I see doctors walking around with them on all day when I work. Oh, hell all yeah. Day. All day, every day. Yeah. You know, the people who work in isolation have to wear them all day, every day. You know, so it's, it's not an alien thing that the people are complaining about. 
it's much akin to see I'm one of those freedom kind of guys too okay I used to argue with a friend of mine about seatbelts what was the argument I, against seatbelts <laughs> well I, I think it should have been a choice oh okay see what I'm saying I don't think it should be mandatory why are you mandated? I mean, I grew up, we didn't have seatbelts. We had big old eight-foot-long cars made out of metal. <laughs> you know, and, and there was no seatbelt. And you sit anywhere you want, backwards in the seat or whatever. You know, but then they come out with seatbelts, which is not a new invention. You know, they had seatbelts back in the early 1900s. But they weren't mandatory to use. They were on different type of cars, like the more expensive car panels. You know, or the little handles on the side of the windows that you could hold. You know, they had stuff like that. But they mandated seatbelts, and I'm like, that's against my freedom to be what I want to be. If you're telling me I have to, I will, man. My car doesn't move unless everybody in the car got seatbelts on. Right. Well, and, like, the seat the seatbelt thing, like... I, I, I guess I can see where, you know, if somebody doesn't want to wear their seatbelt, it's it's whatever. But it's like the car insurance thing. It's mandatory. Like, you have to have car insurance. But then you got all these people that don't have life insurance, and nobody says shit, right. shit about that, it. That's another thing I'm against as well, car insurance. I'm against taxation without representation. You know, uh, I buy my car. I pay taxes. Now, every year I got to pay taxes in order to drive you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, this is just, you know, I am one of those people who want to cut back on government interference in something. Sure. But some things like, like health, national health, that's important. You know, why didn't everybody get upset about cigarettes? Well, I can play you some commercials from the 1930s where they tell you that smoking three packs of Chesterfield King is the way to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they they nobody upset. Yeah. Well, and there and there was and and they were toting the whole thing like that that they didn't cause cancer and that it, in some but, cases that could even be good for you or whatever. And they knew it would. They knew it was not good for you. Right. <laughs> you know. I mean, that's the scary thing. But you know, back to the the mask thing. I I understand. Some people's hesitancy, but I think a big part of this is being led from the administration. What do you mean? Well, the Trump, Pence administration telling is is there's no problem. It's all going to disappear. Oh right. It's all disappear. Don't worry. About it. And then you got these religious zealots who think, well, I'm a tempt God because I got God as my co-pilot. And I don't have to wear all this stuff, and I don't have to worry about this stuff because God's going to take care of me. Well, you need to let him run your life. <laughs> He's not doing a real good job. You know, I mean, get out of here. But they do believe this. They believe, yeah. you know, I, I got a friend. She has gotten so zealous, and it drives me crazy. You know, and she she posts all this stuff on my Facebook page, and I'm like, I can't believe this is you. <laughs> you know. Well, the people... The- like... <laughs> Well, I was gonna say, and the people that like they they say that they're gonna just let go and let God or whatever, and that God's they're gonna let God take the wheel and they're just gonna protect them. But uh-huh. but they put their seatbelts on at the car in their car every day. They stop. They stop at every red light. 
And like, and let's say you go on uh, some sort of public transportation, or you go somewhere, and you find yourself sitting next to somebody who all of a sudden starts like screaming and shouting in tongues and shit. Uh, is your natural inclination going to be mo- move closer to this person, right. or move further away from this person? Further away. So it yeah, seems no. it seems to me like people are picking and choosing whatever they want to believe that makes oh, them feel better. And it, and it's based on this. Right-wing, evangelical, I want what I want, I was promised this, this is the life that I'm going to live mentality, you know. Uh, I don't have to do anything I don't want to do because everything that we say is okay, listen to our fearless leader. God. Some of the first arguments I heard against the mask thing, people were saying... People were commenting when when the when they had the press conference and it was over. Some of the first things that the people opposing it were saying was, "Oh, they didn't say anything about the numbers going up because of the protesters and and this that like mm-hmm. like totally missing the point. Like, are the numbers up or are they not up? Like, who who gives a crap what caused the numbers? Like, we could argue all day long about where the numbers are coming from. People going on vacation, people things opening up again. Like, there could be a, many things causing the number. Either way, the numbers are going up. Like, you just can't deny it. Well, see, it's all based on what you find acceptable for you. See, if it's acceptable for me, I think it should be acceptable for everybody. You know, it's like you shouldn't have any questions about what I believe because I am right. (laughs) That's the mentality. And and, and I'm taking it up from from black folks when I challenge them on the the protesters and stuff. You know, even when I challenge them on on Joe Biden. Uh, Just throw this out there real quick. I'm voting for Joe Biden. Okay, I don't want to vote for Joe Biden, but Joe Biden is the least of the two evils. Now, the other thing I'm sick and tired of is having to hear that every November election. Oh, God, yeah, choosing the lesser. It always comes down to the lesser of the two evils. Right, it's like, what, what's, what, what's up with this thing? I mean, when there used to be two good candidates. Right. You know, and you just picked the one that, that stood for mostly what you believed in or what you hoped he would do based on what he said. Well, my thing is Joe Biden is not saying anything. He's not saying what he's going to do. I want to hold him accountable. Joe, let's put something on paper. Let's make a statement. And then I want you to stand for it. People say, well, you got to stop picking on Joe Biden. You better vote for Joe. Wait a minute. I'm 68 years old. Don't tell me who to vote for. <laughs> I've, been voting, I've been voting for 50 years. Ain't, middle, ain't missed the election even when I was on term. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I went and voted. So don't tell me about voting. You know, plus that. I've hung posters and gone out and did door-to-door stuff trying to get people elected. You know, yeah. Says, Please, <laughs> do what you do and don't try to tell me how to do math. All I'm doing is suggesting that we hold the man accountable. Yeah. Well, you better vote for Joe Biden. I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go. <laughs> well, I'm not a Trump person. No. Well, Joe, Joe Biden is in that, like, interesting... Uh, he's kind of in that interesting perspective where... He really just needs to do damage control at this point because he knows that everybody is so fed up with Trump that they're all going to be coming out in droves to vote for him because because he knows as long as he just doesn't look as batshit crazy as Trump does every day, then he's going to be safe. And I, maybe that's 
why he's not really saying much of anything. I don't know. But well, he's got to because the only way he's going to win, this is me, you know, to amateur political consultant. <laughs> the only way he's going to win, he ain't going to win if he's depending on all black folks. No. Because they have shown that only 48% of them vote. Okay? So let's put that to the side. Now, that's the vote that he would capture almost 90% if they would show up, but they're not going to show up. So that means that he needs to get some independents and some straggling Republicans to vote for him. And if he don't stand for something, he's not going to sway these people. So he can play safe if he wants to. You know, Trump is surging again. Folks ain't seen that yet. They ain't brought that to the paper yet. But this whole white supremacist thing is playing well to his base. Oh, hell yeah. You know, so I'm thinking, I think he has a terrible, I'm not a real fan of Simone, whatever her name is, his uh, campaign uh, person. His running mate? Or no, the person in charge no, of his, his campaign? His campaign, his campaign manager. I got gotcha. you. You know, I even suggest to show you how insane I am. I suggested that he get Condoleezza Rice to run with him. Mm. And, a, and a friend of mine said, Condoleezza Rice? Republican. I said, there's no law saying he can't have no. a Republican right Maybe that's like the best thing you could do. Maybe. You know what I'm saying? Just to get somebody like that's more, get a, a more well-rounded like point of view and everything doesn't Absolutely. need, everything doesn't need to be split down the middle so, so heavy. You know, and people say, well, Congolese got some, some stuff on her plate, the, that Libya thing and something else. I'm like, they all got stuff on their plate. What are you talking about? <laughs> like one of the smartest people in the American government in the history. She's also, you know, she's an advisor to the NBA. She's an advisor to the NCAA women's basketball. She's a tennis freak. She's probably one of the smartest political savvy people that I've ever heard. You know, why not give her a shot? So has he not come out yet with who his running mate is? No. Mistake by agreeing to say out loud that he's considering a black person. Right. It's like, why would you hang yourself on this cross? Right. <laughs> you know, well, and I think you can't come off. And I think that's stupid. <laughs> and I like, honestly, I think that's kind of stupid to say. You know, like when McCain was running. Uh, you know, he 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 wanted to have a, f- a female candidate, or like mm-hmm. to say that you're going to purposely select a minority, or like purposely select something as a political statement. That just seems to mm-hmm. take away from the whole. I don't know. It just seems to not be the best, in my view. I just don't think. I think it's not the greatest taste. But well, you, well, you tie your hands and you can't get the best candidate. Right. That's all I care the about. Best Right. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry I can't get out my mouth. My, my. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you gotta. Ron Castro was my favorite to be the vice president because he was the head of uh, the Department of Education or uh, Human Resources under Obama. Very bright, very bright guy. Plus, he was pulling in some brown votes and da 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 da. You know, but uh, they're not even giving Castro lip service. Uh, some of those other people, I'm against because why did 25 people join up to, to be in the primaries and the, and the debates? You know, that, that didn't make sense to me. 25 Democrats 
threw their hats in the ring and messed up the representation, you know, finding a true candidate. Because nobody ever got a chance to talk in mm-hmm. those debates. So you never knew what the heck anybody was standing for if they had any new ideas. Right. And it, like I and said, the, no, go ahead. go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> I was just gonna. I was just. I was just thinking the truth, and, and it just doesn't really seem like it's gonna matter a whole lot. It, it should, but I know it's not gonna matter a whole lot. What the hell these guys are saying? Because everybody's so adamant about getting Trump out of the office. I know, but see, I think they stubbed their toes in in the way they were going about it. Yeah, I agree. Well, uh, and Trump too. You know, it's it's amazing to me how how everybody is holding strong, even just in support of him, even the more and more things that come out and the things that he says that are so just like ugly. Like when we were going through the whole, you know, the beginning of the covid thing and everything was shutting down, you know, he was tweeting out, you know, liberate Michigan, liberate so and so and liberate like as though as though he was trying to protect everybody from all this tyranny of all these terrible states that were closing down to save them and right. and then he was telling people oh there's just too much testing that's the problem too much right. testing we need to, and then he took down all the funding for all the testing sites as though that were the problem like the numbers are so bad because we're just testing too damn much that must be what it is right, right. and that's just the fodder that he's feeding the ignorant masses that, that are in his corner. See, they don't care if he's telling the truth. It feeds their goal. You know, their goal is to be abstinent, oppositional, defiant, and break down the government because the government's not working for us. You know, they're trying to help too many people. We're the ones need to help. And Donald is saying to them, I got your back. You know, and he ain't helping them either. He's helping all his buddies and cohorts and the folks who bought him this office. You know, and the, the poor white folks are suffering just like us. The poor farmers who aren't getting their crops sold aren't getting any bonuses. Okay, but the prices are going up. They can't get crop. They can't buy new farm equipment and stuff because it's a little trade war with China, you know, which was all BS because Chinese still buying everything they need. You know, mm-hmm. different other places. But it's just, he is speaking to a a disaffected mass that hasn't been heard. They used to call it the silent minority. And it's not the silent minority. It's the silent majority. Because, what is it, 240 million people in America, there's only like 28 million blacks, and the rest of either brown, Caucasian, Asian, or whatever. So a lot of the disaffected by all these social programs and stuff think they disaffected by all of this one. They're the number one beneficiaries of these social programs. I mean, you got 100 million people on welfare, and there's only 24 million black people. You know, you can't say it's a black deal. <laughs> right. And people make that argument. People, ignorant people make that argument. I know it all the time. And the numbers don't justify. Right, even when you know it's not true, they still they still say it. Right. The only thing they get right is that we make up a huge percentage of imprisoned people. Yeah, yeah. Now they get that right, but then if you 
look up the history of the police in America, <laughs> I'm going to go out there, <laughs> Police were created to protect wealth. Part of wealth that they were created to protect were slaves. Mm. This is the start of policing in the United States. Okay? 90% of the laws on the books are for property. Yeah. Not for people. So, that the police are here to protect property and to maintain order any way they can. And they brought it to a hook and said, we just saw yesterday, I posted about Scott County getting that two armored vehicles. I saw that, yeah, the light, yeah, they called it light, they called it light armored vehicles or whatever, LAV. Right, and this is up in Scott County, Indiana. Right. What did they get ready to look forward to? I know a lot of brothers ain't gonna catch the Greyhound and go up there to protest. Right. Well, and they were talking about how uh, how they could be used to like save people in bad weather and tornadoes and all that crap. Like, and all that's good. But then he said that the thing they said about the search warrant. So they took one on a search warrant. Like, why the fuck would you need a light armored vehicle on a search warrant? What, what were you searching? That's unbelievable. Got out. God is dead. It's just crazy. I mean, it's insane. And see, this is the stuff, man. It's just like I ain't been able. I've been sleeping good, but I ain't been living good. I've been angry. I've been sad, disappointed, forlorn. You know, whatever you know, adjective you can come up with. I've, I've been all of that. And it's like today, I just start making candles. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, my personal savior, man. I, I don't want to throw that out there, you know. But 
if I'm following the wrong ship, so be it. Right. You know, if me, if me thinking Jesus my Savior ain't enough to get me where everybody keeps promising to, to get me if I change and do what they want me to do, then I just gonna miss the bus. Because I don't believe in hell and purgatory in the first place. I just, my, the only problem that I have with it sometimes is that people's belief that the end could be nigh and that, you know, and you can, and you can tell the thirst and the hunger for like the whole evil of this world to be over and for the new earth to come out and to, for every, for everybody, the rapture, if, if you believe in that thing, it's like, instead of just trying to make this world like the best it can be and think about the, if, you know, think about the future and try to plan for the future to be prosperous and help people and, and like try to set things up to, you know, people aren't thinking about the future because they're just thinking about the now and like, like the future doesn't matter because, you know, who cares? I'm going to heaven. Well, see, what it would call for them to do is to be more Christ-like. Don't ask them to do that. That's crazy. See, that's the problem. <laughs> you know, be more Christ-like. That's all it takes. <laughs> it's like if we treated everybody the way Christ treated everybody, you know, throw somebody a hand if they need it, give them some encouragement when they're down, you know, lift them up when they high, you know, lift, lift them up higher. You know, just because I'm at this level don't mean you can't lift me up any higher. You know, it's like, why can't we strive to make this a better world? Right. That's bottom line for me. And people get so caught up about, you know, not agreeing with each other. Like, you can still, you can still love each other and be respectful of each other and have different opinions and have different beliefs. Like, you can have respectful conversations with people. And things have just been getting uglier and uglier all the time. It seems like people disagreeing and, I don't know, people just practically spitting at each other over it. The evil and heat is so palatable right now. You know, I mean, you could just reach in the hand, just grab a handful of it and just take it and put it in a box and put it up in the safe somewhere and grab it later when you need it, you know. I mean, that's how much heat is proliferating the, 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 our systems now, you know. And all our systems are breaking down around us. You know, you look at everything around us, all the stuff that we depend on, you know, is just breaking down. I mean, what do we have left to depend on? We can't depend on the job where we work anymore. We can't depend on the government to be safe for everybody anymore. You know, all that, all those illusions are gone. Right. You know, so that's why you got people holding on to what they think is going to help them and make them safe and whole. You know, everybody wants to be whole. Everybody can't be whole. Somebody has to have left. It's true. And sometimes I wonder if I'm crazy. Well, we're all probably a little bit crazy. <laughs> I was gonna say, don't run out there real quick and say something. I mean, <laughs> 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 I, I left the door open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, we... man, it's just it's just so strange, though, Mark. And you know, I mean, you and I share so much in common, you know, about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, that, that's all. That, what else do you need to do? You know, can we not be happy and let other people be happy in their own way? You know, as right. long as it doesn't interfere with the the, the common 
because we all are in the common. It's like this big circle of humanity, you know, and whatever affects one affects all. Right. I feel like they believe it or not. I feel like there's things that people believe that should make them happy and could make them happy, but I feel like it's like they're not going to be happy until other people believe it too. And anybody that says anything different about what they believe, it's it's unreal. Like like the whole American flag thing, and the people that are stepping on the flag or or burning the flag and all this stuff. And and then there was an image of a rally where people had put the image of Trump on the flag. Absolutely. And the law against the and and the law on the whole flag thing is it says you're not supposed to put any images over the flag on the flag either. They call it desecration. Right, it's desecrating the flag. Absolutely. And they're completely but silent about that. And they put it on hats, and they put it on t-shirts, and they wear it, and they make different colors of it, black and white and with a blue uh, star base, you know. Right. I mean, it, it's amazing how ignorant we are. Mm-hmm. And that we accept the stuff that we find, once again, palatable to our sensitivities, you know. Now, these sensitivities have to come from somewhere. It, it's a learned behavior because I believe, and I read in a psychology book years ago, that we come in with the tabula rosa, is that what they call it? A blank slate. As a child, we come in, there's nothing imprinted, you know, on our brain until we see mom when we first come out or, or the guy who slaps us on the butt. Whoever we see, <laughs> first thing that is imprinted on our brain. Yeah. And then we become all the imprints that we pick up through our lifetime. And that is who we become. So, you know, if you get this, like, uh, somebody the other day said, well, kids talk, hey, yes, they are, absolutely. They also talk fear and anxiety. And, you know, all this stuff is what comes, no baby comes out anxious. Right. they don't know. They don't know. They don't come out afraid, you know. Yeah, it's complete, completely blank slate. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that we have let these things be implanted on our minds and brains. Some of it is propaganda based by the education system. Some of it is propaganda based on the religious system, the political system, you know, the corporate system. You know, these are the systems that control who we become and also the systems that want us to depend on them. Because they're not in place, they're threatened. If anything come up different, I'll throw this quick example out there for you. Remember the movie The Tucker? I hadn't seen that one. The Tucker was about a car that had its engine in the back, a trunk in the front. It had all kind of futuristic devices and safety measures in it and stuff. The government worked in cohorts with the automobile industry to put this guy out of business. They forced him to make X amount of cars by a certain date, and if he didn't did it, didn't get it done, he wouldn't be able to produce his cars. Hmm. He missed by he missed by one. And Tucker, there's like eight Tuckers still rolling around in America. Yeah, and this is like the forties, I think, the early forties. But that's how. When they broke up Rockefeller and them years ago, it was because they were conglomerates, AT&T. It was because they were one of the world's largest companies. And the people who thought about these people having so much say-so 
that they can control government as well as the opinion of the people and drive what we consume based on what they want. That hasn't gone anywhere. We're in that same boat today. Yeah, well, even more so. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sitting around the other day and I'm like, you know, uh, social media is like the Tower of Babel. You know, we all run into social media and we all, and don't nobody know what we're saying because God just switched all that up again. <laughs> you yeah. know, and we're on there just talking crazy. I try to find safe havens on uh, social media. That's why I started Little Things, that little group I got. Yeah. Uh, just so people can come in and laugh. So we would have ducks for each other. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Sometimes you need a break from the crazy. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of crazy on there right now i mean and and especially <laughs> i got on there today i think i'm probably gonna stick away from my private page for a few days because man <laughs> people say people are just saying crazy things mm-hmm. and you see i've been getting off for three weeks yeah <laughs> I, keep, I keep saying i'm getting up i even had freedom day july the 4th right <laughs> And I wrote, I said, this is it. I was about to pay, you know. I can't let go, I can't let go. Because every time I, whenever I say I'm getting ready to get off the page, I get like eight new uh, people on the page. <laughs> on my page. And, and they're not crazy folk. These are folk who, you know, come from the world of philosophy, psychology, you know, religion and stuff. You know, so they just engage me, you know. I'm like a child going to get candy with it. So I stay, you know, I stay on Facebook to engage with these folks. And uh, at some point, I'm going to have to get off because it's just too crazy. Like I said, you know, i got friends questioning my blackness, questioning my, whether or not I'm a Democrat or a socialist or a capitalist or, you know, I'm definitely not a capitalist. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's like, why can't I just be Mike Thomas? You know, somebody that you know and, and you can trust. You know, and, and you might want to talk to somewhere down. I had a wonderful talk yesterday with this uh, doctor. Did a uh, a video, may a virtual medicine consult with me, and uh, and for an hour and a half we do this consult and stuff. So when we're getting off the phone, he says, "I'm gonna tell you something." He said, I, "I never tell this to anybody." He said, "I am so glad I got to talk to you." And I said, "Man, you were a blessing." You were a blessed, you were oasis in the desert for me. I said, because we both got away from that stuff for an hour and a half, you know. Yeah. And I told him about this nurse that I used to work with that I got in trouble with. <laughs> they took some of my detox beds on my unit, and they turned it into palliative care. And I told him, I said, yeah, I got in trouble for calling that unit death and dying. And he snickered. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I got in trouble. I said, this nurse who used to work in the ER, who became vice president of the hospital, she told me, she said, don't you ever call that the death and dying unit again. I said, uh, and her name was uh, so-and-so Blackburn. And his name was Blackburn. I said, you didn't happen to have a brother that worked here in Louisville or something. He said, matter of fact, I did. His name was Dwight. I said, and he said, his wife was a beautiful person, wasn't she? I said, yes, sir, she was. I mean, this is a great conversation. And it ended so well, you know. And it was like, that made my whole day yesterday. You know, just talking to this old lady. He said, we're just too old cool to believe that medicine and, and hospitalization should be free for everybody. I said, you're right. And I don't think that's ever going to happen in America. I know. It's a it's shame. It's all dollars. 
Mm-hmm. It's a shame. I just, uh, it's, I don't, I just feel like everybody's too busy putting, putting labels on everything. Like everybody's got to mm-hmm. fit in some kind of a box or be a label instead of, because I mean the facts are in. I mean we're all that we literally are all the same race. Like we're all the same. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And we make up these little. We make up these little artificial boundaries, and we, and we call them countries. All these artificial little things, and then within them, and then we have our further little dividing lines of you know what political stance are you taking? Are you you know are you red or are you blue or whatever? People have all these things that we're arguing about, and none of it matters. Right, which separates us, and that's the whole key. Uh... Divide and conquer. Right. You know? That's it. Only conquerors destroy statues. Only conquerors destroy systems when they when they take over. You know, and and right now we are being the conquered. You know, because somebody's taking over our system right now as we speak and getting ready to make it something that's never been seen in America. It's mm-hmm. been seen in bits and pieces in America, but this guy. I mean, if we let him do. What he's trying to do, we're talking about, you know, Hitler, Franco, uh, Mussolini, you know, uh, parole in South America. You know, this is the kind of stuff that we're talking about. This guy already, he controls the judicial, the executive, the military, and the Congress. There is nobody to call him on his behavior. Right. And and no and nobody is allowed to dissent or say anything about his behavior. He'll I mean, they they would just get fired or worse. Did you see where Venman has decided to retire? No, I did not. Yeah, I read that today and I'm like, Hey, this man an immigrant who has given his whole life to this country. And Trump stepped on his on his neck because he reported something that was going on that he thought was not in the best interest of the country. And now he's being forced to retire. They wouldn't give he was gonna get promoted to full colonel and they blocked that. Mm. And this was like a week ago. And finally he just said uh, today, he I am retiring. I I just can't take intimidation and stuff anymore. I mean that's that's a terrible state of affairs. That's what it comes down to. Go ahead. I was going to say intimidation. I mean, that's what that's what he does. That's what. Absolutely. He's just like a he's just like a, a schoolyard bully. Mm-hmm. You can't tell him he's wrong. He's always right. He's always the best. And if you say anything that he doesn't agree with, it's not true. And, and yeah. The thing is, Mark, he's not he's not alone in this. Oh no. He's not alone. There's a bunch of people saying just like him, and they are using him to get what they want as well. You know, I don't think he's the smartest apple on the tree, okay? But what he is, is a bona fide bully. Absolutely, and a narcissist. Right, and they're never wrong. Never, ever, never wrong. Uh, You ever read the book on Roy Todd? No, I have not. 
you have to pick out a couple of articles on Roy Khan. This guy was with J. Edgar Hoover, and he was with uh, uh, the guy, I can't think of who's the uh, penitent, with during the Red Scare, when they, when they were looking for communists everywhere in every closet. Uh, he worked with this guy. He was Trump's mentor and attorney and taught him how to sue, 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 sue. Oh, they yeah. give up because they can't spend enough money. I'm, I know who you're, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I remember hearing about that before. Mm-hmm. And he's been trained well. Plus, growing up in New York, and man, if they listen to this on this radio, we might get in safety. Uh, <laughs> the mafia controlled all the concrete in New York. Trump built a lot of buildings. Him and his daddy built a lot of buildings in New York. You think they might have had a relationship of some sort? Oh, no, you of course not. Thank you. You couldn't build nothing in New York without getting the unions to, who were controlled by the mob to acquiesce. Right. If you're going to be running anything, you know you, you, you're going to have your hands in, in with the mob. Like, uh-huh. There's just no way around it because they control everything. Well, and you've seen where that tell-all book was coming out. Oh, yeah, about his niece. But there's another one coming out, too. Somebody else is writing one. I, I can't remember who it is, but somebody else close to him. Is it, one, of his, one, one of his family members, yeah. I can't remember the main title, but the subtitle is how how they something about how they created the world's most dangerous man. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, and, and the Trump family tried to prevent Simon and Schuster from releasing the book. Oh, absolutely. And and it was since denied, and the and the release date is set, and and some of the information in there is already starting to come out. Oh, absolutely. Like he che- he, he cheated on his SAT. Well, he didn't cheat on his SATs. He paid somebody to take his SATs. Right, right. He said he made a comment uh, about his niece's breasts, about how she was stacked. And I just and some of this other stuff about like what you were saying about some of his ties and some of the people that he's been associated with. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to come out after he's gone. When it's not going to come out where he lives. No, it won't. People won't allow it to come out. People would. People might disappear if that happens. Mm-hmm. And if it comes out in another four, if he stick it back again for another four years, it ain't going to make a difference when it come out. No. I will be toast. I believe. I believe we'll be toast. We either will be in a civil war, a war, a world war, or we will. The economy will be so messed up that the only way, and this ties back to in days, in, in time stuff that my brother talks about, we'll all be so indebted to the government. You know, I mean, he just greasing the, the skids with these uh, twelve hundred dollar checks, right? You know, because when those run out. We'd be cramming to try to get some money. And people are going to be willing to do whatever it takes to get what they need in order to survive. So I hope we don't get to that point. But that would fulfill some of that end time stuff that people talk about. Because, I mean, they're already talking about Gates is going to put the uh, thing in our, in our skin. Oh, the chip? The chip. Right. They're already talking about Gates going to do it. Gates ain't going to do it. <laughs> no. The chip, the, the, they've been talking about that chip thing since like the early 2000s. Like, right. it's already in existence. It's, there are some companies, Absolutely. there are some companies in the United States that have asked their employees 
uh, as like security entrance into their facilities and stuff. Right. Which is the excuse. Absolutely. It's going to happen. And I think also will eventually become paperless. I think eventually the. Now talking about sending sending that new twelve hundred dollars in a in a a chip thing instead of sending a paper or to a to a bank account. Right. Well, like you have something like COVID going around. You know what? If we're handling a bunch of money and and we're all passing all this money around, I mean the money in our pockets, the change and the cash. I mean it's everywhere. All the, all the money has, if you do tests on it, it even has residue with drugs and everything else. Like, Absolutely. it would be so Absolutely. E- it would be so easy for the government to just say, well, you know what, for our protection, for our protection and national security, uh-huh. we have to do away with paper money, and it's going to happen. Uh huh. And folks are going to say, well. They took our freedom away when they brought capitalism. So I can't grow stuff. I can't claim land. And I posted something earlier today about, you know, our freedom being taken away. Either I posted or I wrote it uh, about our freedoms being taken away from it. Because even a poor man who we keep complaining about being homeless back in the 1700s, he could have gone out, plotted out five acres of land, built a wooden shed. And lived in it without having to fulfill some specification by the government. Da 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 da. He could plant up a little garden. He could subsist on his own without any government intervention. That freedom has been taken away from us. Right. It's that's true. You know. So now everybody is dependent on the government to be okay. Period. And that messed and, and up. And we can't see that. We can't see that because the way the capitalist system took it, it took us out of the freedom. It's like, and, and, and the scary thing is they know that the way this country was built, that they were offering land for like five bucks, 50 cents an acre or something like that. You know, in Oklahoma, you rush out there, and you put a stake down in the ground and get that land. Well, that land has become valuable, 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 valuable. That's what wealth was built in this country. Stealing land from Indians, taking it over and putting your stamp on it and then building wealth. Uh, that's the American way. But that's been taken away from us. Now we, uh, I used to call, I used to work in the factories in Detroit and I used to call them, you know, jokingly, the plantation. <laughs> and, pe- and people say, man, why you call it the plantation? I said, the only difference between this and the plantation is I get to go home at night. All right. That's the only difference. As I come in here and I bust my butt for eight to ten hours, I get paid a, not a minimum wage. I think a pretty good decent money, but they was killing it on our backs. You know the money that they were making. But guess what else I had to do? I had to buy my own food. I had to provide my own transportation. I had to buy my own insurance. I had to do this. I had to see when it was on the plantation. You had a little stomp that you lived in and. You learn how to make chitlins out of the rest of the hog that they wouldn't eat. <laughs> mm. You know. And I call it plantation. People used to get mad because I call it plantation. I said, I come here not because I want to come here. I come here because I want to eat. Well, that's I true. Come here of, yeah, period. People don't go to work because it's fun. That's why they call it work. Mm-hmm. We got we to gotta yeah, pay the bills. Have- Right, I only had one job that I loved going to, and that was when I was working as a, a chemical dependency counselor. 
I look forward to going. I was on salary, and I would work 60 to 80 hours a week and get, get chewed out by my boss because he said I wasn't good in time management. He's <laughs> mm. like, like, I'm going to call every night, get on baby for that. <laughs> Don't bother me about the other hours I spend. <laughs> mm. You know, I'm getting called 3 o'clock in the morning. There's a patient in the emergency room. Uh, did you ask him if he was using alcohol? He said he had a problem. Does he have insurance? I don't know. Why didn't you ask him? I say, if he has insurance and he's alcoholic, what do we do? We admit patients, so why did you call me? <laughs> mm-hmm. I would have these conversations, man. Like, And I, I, I put together a directory of what you needed to do to admit the patient if I wasn't there. You know, they call me 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't work 8, 10 hours. But, I mean, that's just back into people not wanting to be responsible. You know, at some point you need to be responsible and do what you need to do for you to be okay. You know, instead of putting it off on somebody else or, or not being responsible for your part of it. And, and I see a lot of that right now in the way people are. You know, not wanting to be responsible. Uh, not enjoying the job that they have, working jobs that they don't like because they need to. You know, I mean, that, that's a bad place to be. You, you've been there, Ellie, where you had a job that you didn't really like, but you had to pay the bills. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, and that's what a lot of that's what a lot of people find themselves in is they they go they go to their they go to their job. It's not their passion or what they care about. It's just their job. Because right. they gotta they gotta eat and pay the bills and stuff. And even those people who wind up in jobs that they love are still subject to the job changing from what it was when they first got there. And then becoming disenchanted, and then losing their job, not because of anything they've done, but because of mismanagement at the top, or you know, or, or just change in the, the public's case. You know, you're always susceptible to something out of your control. Right. You know, and I think too, you know, back to what you were saying before about. You know the whole the whole system and the way things the way wealth was set up and the whole way that people were able to make money before and how you know sort of that corporation has kind of taken all that way all that uh-huh. away from everybody. I think also there has grown an even greater distaste for corp, you know people's idea and perception of what it is to be wealthy and powerful and. Because everybody just has that perception that, that that implies corruption and that implies right all that and I and I think there is there is a part of that I mean the amount of corruption that's out there I mean the big corporations and the ones with the money I mean they're the ones that are that are making you know they're they're lining the pockets of the ones making the decisions right I saw earlier today a guy had a seven hundred dollar month car note. I'm like, in what world does that make sense? Mm. How did we get to a $700 a month car note? You know, very few people I know make $700 every two weeks. Right. You know, and you're taking two weeks salary for a car? Mm. I don't understand it. But that's the way the system is set up. You know, it's like they're building bigger and better. You know, I never thought I'd see a $50,000 Ford F-150. 
fifty or two fifty, whichever one it is. You know, I remember when I was working at Ford, they were like nineteen to twenty two pounds. You know, hmm. even the one that had even the one that had the bull horns on the front of it, which is the top of the line, yeah. two fifty, I think, three fifty. So it's just, I I don't understand how these corporations have got to the point where they have, we're entranced, I think, in America. What do you mean by that? Well, we we watch this stuff, they advertise to us, they tell us what's good, what's best, what's best, better, and worse, you know, and we want to get the better. And we'll go out and we'll spend $700 a month on a car and I'm living in an apartment, you know, or I'm living with my auntie or anything. You know, I, I, I don't get right. Com- the lack of common sense, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. The lack of common sense. Um, but all of that is cultivated. Well, it's what they want. Right. Absolutely. When you go to those those major credit card companies, their favorite per, their favorite person, their favorite person is that college student who you know they're they're or between the ages of eighteen and 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 twenty five or whatever, where they have all this debt and they have all these credit cards open and they're not and they're only making the minimum payments every month. I mean, this is the this is their favorite person. I went to JCC back in '82, I think it was, and I'll never forget because I had gone to college in the '70s up in Detroit. But I went to JCC in '81, '82, and I walked to the bursar's office, and outside the office on the wall were applications for credit cards. And I just stood there and I just shook my hand. I can't believe they're doing this to these kids because I had had credit problems. You know, my first wife kind of nailed me to the cross with, with credit stuff. And I'm looking at these children. I'm 30 something years old. I'm looking at these children, 18, grabbing these credit card things and putting them in. When I moved down here, the state of Kentucky allowed 28.9% interest. When I left Detroit, it was 23.9. My goodness. Michigan limited to 23.9. I get that. It's 28.9. Get out of here. It's insane. And these kids get falling over themselves to get this. After also getting, you know, the the, uh, federal guaranteed loan. Boo, 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 boo. (laughs) Uh, Well, and the people that have the money and the wealthy people and the people that have the most money in their bank accounts, they're the ones that kind of get these sweetheart deals too. Mm-hmm. Where they don't have fees, where they can waive certain fees and they don't mm-hmm. p- pay certain things. It's it's The whole system is is rigged on one oh, side. Absolutely. absolutely. I, I told my wife last night, the first time I'd ever told her, I said my first wife messed me up so much that when I moved down here, you know, because I wasn't working and I was looking for work and I'm traveling out west to find a job, I consolidated my bills because I thought this would be the best way because I can't afford to pay everybody every month. But if I consolidate, I just get that one payment. You know, well, when I didn't find a job and wind up taking, you know, minimum wage jobs and stuff, I got behind on my bills and stuff. Now, was that their fault? No, it wasn't their fault. It was my fault because, first of all, I was miseducated. (laughs) (laughs) Second of all, I was desperate. 
So I fell right in the trap, you know, and, and I signed up with somebody, and next thing I know, my credit was blown. I needed a co-signer when I first moved down. I never needed a co-signer in my life, you know. And uh, it was just, I was like, man, I got to get out of this hole now, you know. So it took me another three years to, you know, get about the hole that I dug that wasn't a hole when I left Detroit, you know. I was sick kind of pretty when I left the deep. I thought, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see these kids, I mean, they're just jumping into this credit stuff. And, and, and well, it's not just the kids, these old folks, who, sure. you know, getting all these credit cards and signs and getting in apartments that they can't afford. And, it's just you know. what disturbs me, and I don't know if a lot of people thought the same thing, but it was around the time when we had gone through our last recession. And they had said it was an it was a news conference and the and I can't remember the exact sentence, but it was something to the effect of how credit is the lifeblood of the economy. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and 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 I'm just thinking, does anybody else recognize like how bad shit crazy that is? Uh-huh. How debt <laughs> debt is the lifeblood that that we're pumping into the pumping pumping life into the economy with like. That's just but backwards. That's what, that's what they do in in the South. You know, right now we're living on credit. The, the whole government's living on credit. Right. I mean, they just they just print more and more empty money. You know, and the only people that get the money to invest in stuff that will leave them with something are sitting in the top of the White House and in the Senate and stuff like Mister Mister worth twenty seven million dollars. That fucking turtle. <laughs> You know, so how do you make this much money? <laughs> What's going on? Plus, he married money. You know, I mean, his, his wife owns money. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, it's insane. But that's what we do. And, and it's not just Trump. It's no. Just print money. Of course. They've been printing money all the time. We just wasn't knowing about it. No, they've got, just, yeah. They've got full permission to print whatever, however much money. They just keep the printing presses going, man. And and right. they're not even a uh, they're not even a part of the government. They're not even a right. a government body. The they're the private. The, they're part of the Rothschilds. Yeah. Oops. Did I say that? Uh, oops. I, I didn't say that. Is this mic on? <laughs> but I just it's 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 crazy. But it's true. I mean, you get control. The idea is you get control of a nation's money. Then you get control of the nation. Absolutely. You just get them right by the balls, and that's that's really what it's all about. Seeing they're making us more and more dependent. We're right. dependent on, you know, just entities that we don't know what the real name of it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're dependent on that. We're dependent on this government who is telling us that we need to believe in them because they're the only way. You know, we're dependent on this nebulous God that they have created that we're supposed to believe because he's the only way. (laughs) All this stuff we're dependent on. It's like, okay, man, well, what about being dependent on the way that this country was really met its challenge and became great? I don't want to, I didn't want to say great, but I said it. (laughs) It Because of the independence. Right. Of the people. You know, who wanted to do better? Because all this stuff about taxes and stuff, most of that stuff can come in until after the wealth had been initiated, and then those taxes and stuff came in. You know, here's a, a group of people who mad. Now we and see. I did the thing on all the wars yesterday. I posted to see it. <laughs> I was talking about how 
in the in the Revolutionary War, the war supposedly was over taxation without representation. Okay, who was it hurting? Was it hurting the everyday American? Uh, no. <laughs> nope. Nope. It was ho- it was hurting the guys that were bringing in rum. <laughs> rum and tea. That's who it was hurting. So we fought a war so these folks could get rich. Selling yeah. rum and tea. <laughs> well, you know? and, and if y'all don't believe me, whoever listened to this, look it up. <laughs> right. No, it's true. And everyone since then has been pretty much the same thing. It's just different things that we were fighting for. Oil, rubber, and Vietnam. I mean, you know, I can go on and on. But right. I, I posted something the other day about this very topic. And uh, it's amazing to me that they will unite us in the cause to benefit them. Well, ain't that some shit? And that isn't, that's so true. It's mm-hmm. It's maddening. <laughs> It's never been about freedom. None of no. them. Well, it's about money. Right. Everyone. Well, and it's true. Like, you know, what, what got us out of the Great Depression? World War II. Mm-hmm. People don't understand how much, how much money that there is in uh, war. Man. I mean, there's so much money to be made just from war. And there's a lot of money to be made from global recessions. And I'm, you know, I don't know where you are in some of this conspiracy stuff. I don't like to, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid or anything, but. Which one? <laughs> well, I do like, I do like black cherry Kool-Aid, but that's besides the point. Me too. Absolutely. Uh, but this whole, <laughs> but I, I don't want to say that I, I don't want to say that I believe this. But I I I, I want to say that I am not I'm I could be persuaded to believe it and I, I, mm-hmm. I but this whole idea about the whole COVID thing being orchestrated as a, I don't know if you've heard this before and I, I'm and I'm not even sure hundred percent you know if I believe it myself but like this idea that much like everything else that happens. But COVID nineteen, how it was somehow orchestrated, and it's all being used as a means of control. You know, to more closer towards the whole one world government thing. Right. And I don't know. I do, I don't really know enough about it to probably say a whole lot. But but there's that idea, and you know, and then we're talking about the idea of, you know. The, the amount of control that the government has in printing money and manufacturing money and and how much control they would have even more so if we didn't if we were living in a paperless society right and this whole idea of how the government is trying to slowly chip away at our freedoms well like I try to tell my wife you know there's no way that Trump got to where he got without this being well timed out. There's no way Mitch got to where he's at without this being timed out. Some people have been working behind the scenes coming up with these plans to take over all the branches of government and to change the judicial. All at one time. I mean, the president has the attorney general and the 
Supreme Court. It's never been like that. Right. You know, you, you had one or the other. He's got the Senate. You know, they have put these people, he has put in almost a thousand judges in the three and seven months that he's been in office that are appointed to lifetime positions. I know, you that's know. scary. This stuff is planned out. They are so mad that Ginsburg is hanging on. Yeah. <laughs> they but, want that seat so bad they can smell it. But, you know? yeah. so it's going to be it's very incumbent on him to be reelected to follow up with that plan. <laughs> now, back to what you were saying. I am a conspiracy theorist. Okay? <laughs> I do believe that some of this stuff is manipulated. We've manipulated stuff all over the world. You know? I mean, they use, we, we have a branch of the army that specializes just using chemical and biological welfare. That's all they do. They come up with stuff. They get something. They, like, they just found bubonic plague in China the other day. I read that. You know, it's like, okay, an isolated incident of bubonic plague in the middle of China. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's interesting. That is interesting. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. So, do I believe that COVID is man-made? Yes. Do I believe it was planned? to break it out and do this, I don't know for sure. Right. But but depopulization is a goal of some people. Yes, it is. Okay. That's kind of where I was going with that. <laughs> and what better way to slowly chip away at like the number of people than plan, some, plan something like this? Especially something that seems to affect primarily older folk. The older uh-huh. folk that are collecting Social Security and Medicaid and Medicare uh-huh. and all these social programs that they're just so against. Uh-huh. It just seems a little interesting to me, that's all. You know, but I think Pandora has come out the box because now these ignorant children are going to the beach and stuff and rubbing up against one another through the cooties. <laughs> 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 But Pandora's out of the box. So now, all of a sudden, we've been run out of the protective stuff again. The ICUs are overwhelmed. I mean, you know, but it's going to go away. Um, Trump said that it would be going away. It's going to disappear. You said that shit was going to be gone by Easter. Right, it's just a hoax. We're five months in. Yeah. And I, you know, uh, I was just gonna say, and I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, I can't say if it's man-made or not, but I do know that we apparently had been spending money uh, for for a lab to experiment on how to get this strand to spread from bats to humans. I read something like that. I could be misquoting it, but but it was something to that effect. And then the fact that there was a committee appointed to study pandemics under Obama that was dissolved as soon as he left office. Right. 
Ain't that some shit? You know? So, but we gonna blame China. China. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> for spread. For spread. This thing. When everybody knew there was a possibility of a pandemic by the way we're living and how much land and stuff we're taking up. And that the animals are entrenched inside our society. You know? And, and I mean, these scientists have projected this thing three to four years out. Right. I mean, this is this is a new information, you know. But man, you know, one thing about man: every time he thinks he's the smartest thing on the planet, God finds a way to shut it down. That's <laughs> yeah, for sure. I go back to the, I go back to the Tower of Babel. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna build this tower because we can talk to God. Well, and that could be, and you could look at that as being somewhat of like, you could look at it and say that it's not a literal story. You could look at it even in like a parable way, like how we are now about how split and divided everybody is. We're all, we all seem like we're speaking different languages. I mean, we might be all speaking English, but I swear to God in America right now. You can't have a conversation without people losing their minds. Losing their mind. Remember, I made the reference early in, in, in the talk when we first started talking. Social media. Sour babbling, man. We all babbling on there. And ain't nobody having common ground nowhere. Right. <laughs> you know? I'm like, this is a horrible thing we've created. It is. And, and I also, go ahead. I was going to say, and I also, I feel like that's orchestrated too. I mean, you get all these all these media outlets that are owned by the same people, by the, by the same few people, I should say, and you got all these media outlets that are seemingly on. You know, you got Fox and you got MSNBC that are purposely so divided and separate on two different ends of the spectrum on purpose. Absolutely, and seeing all of this started back with Ronald Reagan. Yeah. See, when Reagan was president, he passed a bill. That says that more people can own individual news networks and that we could not control the content. Among other things. So that's our proliferating. Then you came up with corporations being people. Mm. So they could donate as much money as they want to the, the political process. You know, and they took away the monopoly of the American Airways. TV, telephone, computers, you know, there's no, there's no individual services anymore. Most of it's all monopolized. You know, you got, what is that, Sinclair owns half of the TV networks, then you got uh, Fox owning a big piece, and these folks are making the decisions. I turned on, remember 790 on AM here in Louisville? Yeah. Sports Network. I, I used to listen to it every morning when I was going to work, when I was, when I was still working at Penny's and at the hospital. I turned on the other day. I hadn't listened to it in like 10 years. I turned on the other day. Man, Fox News done bought 790. I was like, get out of here. They was talking all this garbage politics. I turned the radio up. I was like, man, I can't listen to this. I cannot. And I used to listen to Rush all the time. When Rush Limbaugh first started, yeah. I would listen to him. And people asked me, why are you listen to Rush Limbaugh? I want to see what they're talking about. Right. <laughs> sure. I did the same thing. It would make me mad sometimes, but I would still listen. Oh, absolutely. Because he was out of his mind. And he knew he was. Right. You know, he was just a showman, just like 
Howard Stern or any of the other guys. You know, actually, okay, that's the that whole Trump thing is produced just like a TV show. Thank you. You know, y'all, y'all sitting there, y'all sleeping. You know, Stephen Miller sitting back writing all this garbage, and Trump just standing there reading this. This looks just like mine, Cap, to me. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> People are buying. People are buying in everything that he's saying. People are are regurgitating his the stuff that he's saying, regardless of even you know, regardless of if it's true or not. Right, because it fits their sensitivities. See, and 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 what they feel, they're getting payback. This is payback time. You know, for some reason they felt like we, the poor folks, the black folks, the brown folks, taking advantage of them. Here's like some some of the talking points that I hear from white people when like mm-hmm. that that are Republican that are diehard Republican. I hear them say things mm-hmm. like they talk about the black community and they use words like thug. They mm-hmm. use words like that they, if, if they if they just wouldn't commit crimes and everything would be okay if they just wouldn't if they you know if they would just behave and just and blah blah then everything would be okay and you know we're we're spending our our tax money to help support their not wanting to work and be lazy and like there are these talking points that keep getting brought up that are just so old and so ignorant just so ignorant poor, poor there's more poor white folks than they are all black people thank you. And you could point you could point it out to facts and statistics like that, and it's just like a dissonance for them. 
Right. It's like they don't they don't buy it. Cognitive dissonance, absolutely. And the other thing is, okay, let's go to Chicago in the 1920s. Who were the thugs? Italian Americans, Irish Americans, and let's see, who else? So poor white guys selling bootleg liquor. Those were the thugs. They were killing up people, shooting people down in the street with machine guns, and blah 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 blah. This, this is nothing new right. in America. We've always had gangs. The gangs in New York, they made a movie about it. Gangs in New York are horrific. You know, they had gangs up in the hills, in the Appalachian, between bootleggers, different bootleggers were fighting and killing one another. Let's talk about the McCoys. Uh, you know, and all over, all over this country, there's been gangs and there's been thugs, there's been interracial murders. Right. You know, we're not the only people killing ourselves. Y'all killing yourselves too. You know? Right. <laughs> Are you, get away from me. <laughs> all, I hear about, all I ever hear about on TV, black on black crime. Well, we're we going to shoot the person who lives with us. You know? <laughs> we can't catch the shark out to your house. Right. <laughs> it's like when they burned up Detroit. But they burned down their own neighborhood. They didn't have no cars. They couldn't come out the wrong point. <laughs> right. The bus, the bus stop at eleven o'clock at night. <laughs> you know, they burned what they could walk to. Now, was it stupid? Yes, it was stupid. I don't understand why you want to burn down the store in your neighborhood so you can walk five miles to another store. You know that doesn't make sense to me. Right. It's like all this stuff going on in Little Man. I am so angry at these protesters and the stupid stuff they're doing. I have no problem with protest. I have no problem with boycotting. Boycotting is the only thing that works in South Africa. Okay? When all the countries get behind boycotting and all the universities in the United States and all over Europe get behind boycotting South Africa, South Africa changed. Nothing else worked. All those sanctions and stuff, none of that stuff worked. Because every time they sanction them, China, Russia, Cuba was sending them stuff that they needed. You know, it was the boycott from from the people with with money because money is power. That's what changed. You know, so my whole thing is I'm in favor of boycott. Today, matter of fact, was uh, a boycott. Was it today or yesterday? It was yesterday. Yesterday, yesterday was the black black blackout. Right. And I'm in favor of that. Right. But but don't boycott. What's the word I'm looking for? Specify who you're going to boycott. Don't boycott the people you're going to need. You know, it don't make sense for folks out of business or stuff that you need, like in, in your neighborhood. You know, boycott all them fast food restaurants and liquor stores. <laughs> you know, right. boycott them. Boycott payday loans and, and all them folks that's killing you, taking money out of your pocket. You know, just don't be boycotting boycott. Be specific. Have a plan. Right, because you you, know? you get them at the you get them you know in their pockets, because the because the, the spending power and the tax power you know from the black community can make a massive like if they were to just like the blackout day, I mean that can make a huge di- statement. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's what we need. We need some leaders to pull these people together, and you know sit at the table. Come up with a plan, follow that plan through. 
you know, get community activists involved, you know, and let's do this thing. Let's do it where everybody will benefit. And, and the thing that really happens is like, we're like crab in a barrel, okay? You ever see crab in a barrel? Well, They're all trying to... They all trying to climb out. Yeah. Grab them by the tail and get their ass back down in there, you know. Now, they all trying to get out to do what? Go to a hot pot of water. <laughs> That's some shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Say, why y'all settle down come up with a plan? <laughs> you know, what's the plan after you get out the barrel? Right. You know, you just get out the barrel just so you can say you got out. You know, let's plan and get everybody out. That doesn't have to be hot water when we come out. It might be freedom on the other side. But you have to know how and what freedom look like. Right. That's to be a goal. Yeah, you can't say, I want freedom, and you don't know what freedom look like. Is freedom freedom even possible in a capitalistic system? Well, yeah. I don't think so. Well, not not really. I mean, not for anybody. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what system is, Mike, Mr. Smart, but what system is? You think we're going to socialism? No. Even though Christianity is kind of socialism, if you follow Jesus directives. Right. Oops, I didn't say, I didn't say that. <laughs> you know, is it communism? Well, Native Americans lived under a communistic system, I believe. They shared everything, and they did stuff together. Well, no, that wasn't what it was. It was <laughs> a natural lifestyle. It wasn't communism. Yeah, I mean, we can put any name we want on whatever. But the bottom line is, we need a system of respect for life. Right. Period. Because if that's where we start, we'll allow people to do what they need for them to be okay. As long as it doesn't harm me, you, or somebody else. You know, well, how can I be mad at somebody who's planting a garden so he can grow food and don't have to go to the supermarket and pay five ninety nine a pound for some peaches? And he got a peach tree on his property. Right. But I'm telling him that he can't have a peach tree on his property inside this city limit or because his house is within this home association. You know, it's like, where's the freedom at? Right, well, you, you can have freedom just so long as it doesn't take money out of the pockets of the people that are in control. Absolutely. I mean, look at the people who move out to LaGrange. I was just thinking about this the other day. I had a friend of mine moved out to LaGrange probably 30 years ago. And uh, he's on a, what do they call that big hole in the, in the backyard with all the shit goes? Uh, oh, the, <laughs> so like, a, like a, not a sewage tank, but a... Um, Septic tank? Yeah, septic tank. He's, he's not even on the uh, sewer system. No, they're yeah, they're all on septic system out there. Right. So they don't have to pay a sewage tax. So they got out of that. They also didn't have to pay a high public school tax and support a school that was not capable of educating their children. Or educated them the way they wanted to be educated, or they had black students and poor Mexican students going to. They can go to the neighborhood where they can get good education. Don't have to pay as much. Don't have to pay sewage taxes. Blah 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 blah. I have no problem with them doing that. 
My problem is, why can't everybody have that? Oh, right. Everybody have the option to be able to do that. Right. Or have, have a good school. When I go up to schools in Detroit, I was like, why? I got friends that go to Catholic schools. And they got labs and stuff. And we got two microscopes. And we got a teacher that has to take us in groups. And these two groups got to use this, use one of these microscopes and stuff. The educational system was not balanced. And so then black people said, well, we need to desegregate the school so we can go to school with y'all and we can benefit from saying, no, 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 no. Let's make the schools we got better. Mm. What will it take to improve the income in the public school system to make the schools better? Right. But see, we want to tear down the statues and we want us to do all these easy things without looking at what the consequences might be. Yeah, those if I are... make my neighborhood better, I don't have to move. Right. <laughs> Tearing down statues and stuff, that's that's just angry and an emotional response. I mean, that's... Tag. Tag, you're it. That's what it is. Right. Tag, you're it. We got you. We got you. We got you. And that, in no way, in no way serves anybody at all. Great. You know, it doesn't piss off somebody. And now they pissed off, and you pissed off, and it's just back and forth, tit for tat. You know, that's no way to settle anything. Plus, it's not going to erase the history that's already known. See, we live the history. Our people have passed that history down to us. That people pass it down to them. You know, and both both people pass down a distorted version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so even one of the versions are 100%. You know, now you're going to tear down the statue. Well... Most of these young kids haven't heard the real story. You know, most of these young kids don't know nothing about Nat Turner. He led the first revolution, black revolution in the United States. You know, nobody knows who he, this guy is. Jan Maslanger, he invented the thing that put the sole on your shoes, the lasting for, for shoes. Yeah. Bottoms. Uh, Benjamin Banneker designed Washington, D.C. You know, he's a black guy. Uh, the guy that helped Fulton with the steam machine was black. The guy that helped Bell with the telephone was black. And I can go on and on and on, but people don't know that. So they're getting upset about stuff that ain't important. Learn what you need to make you feel better about yourself, you know, and then be better about yourself. Don't keep blaming somebody for where you sit. Right. You sitting there. Get up. Don't have to preach. Nah. <laughs> well, I think I think that there's there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of blame going on, and I think there's a lot of emotional responses. And you know, I can't. You know, there is a lot of injustices that are going on, and there definitely is a lack of equality. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Um, but I don't. I don't know the fix. I don't know how you fix it. I don't. I feel like America's so far behind. <laughs> oh, absolutely, and it's going to take a change of mind. I mean, it's, it's and 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 I mean from the core. Right. And that's not going to happen without intervention from a power greater than ourselves. I mean, man's not going to be able to fix this. Uh, it's gone too far, and I do believe in the fallen one. Okay, and this is my argument for the fallen. 
people, you know, they, they think I'm crazy and, and stuff, but yes, I am. But Jesus was out in the wilderness with Satan in the book. Right. And Satan offered him everything. Everything he would ever. I'm God, I make every municipality, treasure, whatever, whatever you think I will give to you. Just bow down to me. Now, Satan was offering him the whole world, right? Right, like he had like, everything in it. Right, like he had the ability to offer something like that. Thank you. Case closed. I can't offer you nothing I don't have. Right. God gave Satan dominion over the planet until the sun comes back and defeats him. So we're under Satan's rule, whether people want to believe it or not, I believe it, that we're under the rule of the fall. That's just me. Nobody got to believe that but me. Sure. But that's what I'm banking on. That's why I'm taking Jesus Christ and I'm riding that horse. What's that song? Uh, you know, the, the black guy said. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the cowboy star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm riding Jesus Christ. That's what I'm riding with. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you can't offer what you don't have. And Jesus turned him down. And he knew what was awaiting him. Right. His father already told him what's coming. Because Jesus already asked him, is there not a better way? <laughs> <laughs> too this is like the perfect example of how two people can have like differing points of view and still being able to have like a, a, a nice dialogue and be able to talk about things and not get all heated because you you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and I I mean I I don't and I don't know I, don't. If, I know and you know I 
I used to, and over time I changed. My opinions have changed, and I I would I don't like to put labels on myself, but I, I guess everybody would consider me to be an atheist. I I don't necessarily agree with that word. It's kind of a non-word to me. Sort of like mm-hmm. like saying if somebody that doesn't play t- play tennis call them a non-tennis player, a an anti-tennisist. I don't know. It's like a, it's like a non-word to me, but I guess that's what you call it. But I'm just saying my point being that people can have respectful conversations about things that have different points of view, and I think that's just like lost on some people. Uh, oh, absolutely. Clothes. You know, 
Right. I'm like, this is a terrible spot to be in. I ran away when I was 13. I came back later on that night. And my mama said, what you come back for? I said, I can't get my teeth. She said, what you did your teeth for? I said, you go to work in the morning, come and get me something to eat. <laughs> 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 she beat the twilight out of me, hear me? Right. And I think the last woman I got, I was 17. Because... I didn't think it was appropriate since I was taking care of myself that I had to be in when the streetlights came up. <laughs> you know, so I didn't, man. I, I hated him. And then my first wife and I broke up, and I'm trying to do the right thing. You know, I mean, I, I pride myself on doing the right thing and not messing with people. And my life just freaking sucked. There was no way she was going to tell me that there was a loving and understanding God. You know, but somehow I got to that point, you know, and and I'm here. You know, I studied with just about everybody. I studied with the Muslims, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Unity. Right. <laughs> I've been baptized twice, and I've been accepted in two churches on faith. <laughs> <laughs> so, ain't like I ain't been trying. Sure. But now I don't, I don't attend any church, but I am ordained through the uh, Universal Life Church. And I, I take that to be personal for me. And I made one promise. They only asked me to do one thing, and that was to carry my way in a loving and faithful way and to do no harm. And I committed to do that for the rest of my life. You know, and I believe Jesus Christ is my personal Savior, and that's the only message I'm throwing. I'm not throwing all that other stuff. Right. You know, let's, let's live the way Christ said we should live. You know, let's do this agape love thing. Let's love one another. Let's not hurt anybody. Let's not be mischievous, you know, masochistic, any of that stuff. Just what can I do to help you? Sometimes it's just a word. You know, sometimes hello makes a person's whole freaking day. Can we just do that? You know, can we just not want to hurt somebody? But that's not the world we live in. It's the world that I'm trying to make it done. Right. So anyway, that's my that's my testimony. Uh, I, and I think that's I think that's a perfect place to stop. I think that's a perfect place to stop. I think, and it's the thing that everybody can agree with. Like, who doesn't want to live in a world full of uh, where we love each other and we we treat each other well and we're respectful to one another? I, I, I think no matter what your political view is, whatever your religious religion, about your philosophical views or your religious views are, right. who can disagree with that? Somebody will. <laughs> Somebody will. Absolutely. They're going to say, hey, he's full of shit. You know. He's full of shit. Don't make me love nobody. sitting side by right but it's like two houses sitting side by side and one of them's on fire and the other one's not and then somebody say well all houses all houses matter and he steals the hose and starts spraying his own house like leaving the one that's on fire burning it's like you're missing the point that's so some 
somebody the other day. I said, because I, I have run into a burning building. And I've stood in front of guns and all that kind of stuff, right? I said, until you run into a burning building that ain't your house. And you stood in front of a police officer who's got both hands on his pistol and the hammer cop. Don't tell me how to be. Right. Agreed. Yeah, when you, yeah, when you done all of that or, or, or anything close to that, you can tell me what I should be and what I should do in my life. Uh, it's not up to you. Well said. I'm an arrogant little bastard. I am. <laughs> I know telling people to love each other and stuff. <laughs> you crazy. <laughs> well, don't have me start saying it's insane to the right. Well, I think this is gonna, this is going to be a good place to stop. And, you uh, know that's right. But uh, you know what? You know what they work. What? They can't say we don't have fun. Well, hell no. That's what it's all about. Having some fun and maybe and maybe putting some seeds out there. <laughs> I know I got lost in the middle down there, and I had to find my way back because I went I went off and I was like, okay, now I got to make this shit up, trying to figure out where the hell I was going. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't, finally it, got back there. I was like, oh man. Well, I made it back to the trail. Right. I hope that didn't go as long as I thought it felt <laughs> No, it was good. But uh, we'll thank everybody for listening to episode five of the No Parameters Project, and we're going to come back and do another one. And soon, I want to go back and get talking about recovery again. We got oh, some things that we want to talk about that might help some people. But uh, you, I'll give you the last word. Uh, I just want to thank everybody for listening to us. We're just trying to throw a rope out there something for somebody to hang on who might need something to hang on tonight. Uh, that's my goal and Mark's goal. Regardless of any other thing that we believe in, we believe in reaching out. So thank you for listening to us. And uh, come back. We're we going to do this again. Come back now. You hear? <laughs> <laughs>